service for this afternoon's message. It's coming from the first verse again of that 52nd chapter. And I said that we could teach one or two lessons out of, out of that, more out of there. This is the third, I guess, lesson out of out of this chapter, 15 verses of the chapter. And all of them come from this first verse. The one this afternoon comes from this verse also, 52nd chapter of Isaiah, the first verse. It says, awake, awake, put on thine strength. And we didn't focus on putting on thine strength. And notice that thy strength is Christ Jesus. And he actually, when he awakens us and gives us of his spirit, it's, it's a chapter about salvation of God, the salvation of God. Christ is our strength, and through him that we can do all things. The joy of the Lord is our strength, rejoicing in his word and his commandments and walking in his way. So put on thine strength. It's like a clothing metaphor as you're putting on clothing. We want to put on Christ. He's our strength. In other words, the characteristics of Christ. We want to be made in his image and likeness. Because as it goes on, it says, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments. Those garments, we go back and study in the Old Testament about the priestly garments and the robes and how Aaron was dressed with the linen ephod and all of the fine linen and that sim- was symbolic of the priesthood. Yes. And we know us New Testament believers, the Christians, we are a royal priesthood ruling and reigning with Christ. We have to come to that joy, that acknowledgement of the church triumphant, yes. the church putting the battle in array and the church being overcome in the glorified Christ and as the light of the world. Yes. The church starts to muster up and exercises its dominion because he had given us the dominion of the world. In the beginning, he says, to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. We were to tend the garden, the very garden, the paradise of God. It says, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for in henceforth thou shalt no more come in unto thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. So we see a defensive or offensive mechanism here where the church is strong. In other words, it's not going through the period of being defiled or profane anymore. That it's preaching the word of God and seems as though it's done cleansed itself. It's done purged itself of all of this iniquity. It's done purged itself. So we're looking at a church triumphant. And in these last days, we need to start walking in that. As some of the prosperity gospels and some of the word of faith churches teaches, not patterning ourselves after them, mm-hmm. but we need to stop with this beggarly mentality in that God had made us the head and not the tail. Mm-hmm. So the things that's keeping us from being victorious may be right there in our own home. It may be our spouses, our children, our grandchildren, we have to rise up. It says awaken. In other words, come to consciousness, realize who you are and what you are and what God had put you in charge of and what you should be doing. And you are royal priesthood and you should be aware of what God had given you and you should increase that. We should increase 
the talents which was given to us by our master because he's going to come back and see had we traded and had he made any profits from the talents he had given us. Well, what does put on my beautiful garments mean? Oh, to put on thy beautiful garments could be understood figuratively to mean that they should remove the clothes of their captivity to sin and instead wear clothes of righteousness and a priesthood authority. In other words, so much for being in bondage to sin. He says, Christ had set us at liberty. If Christ be in us and he had given us of his spirit, the spirit of truth, well, he had loosed the captives and set us free. There's no condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So we have to live that way. We have to come to uh, awaken to this reality and make this reality real. We must do it, not just intellectually hear it and, and fantasize of it and dream of it. We're no better than the those that defile the flesh with filthy daydreams or whatever. The faith that we have in Christ must be an ever-increasing and a living faith that actualizes God's word. In other words, it's assimilated by us that we are actual doers of God's word because Christ said, you are my disciples indeed if you continue in my word. So he imputes his righteousness unto us. The righteousness of Christ Jesus. That comes with authority. He had given us the power to become the sons of God. So with that comes authority. Now, we talk about Joshua. You remember Joshua the high priest? Not Joshua that crossed uh, and led after Moses, but uh, Joshua the high priest, he had on filthy clothes as he stood before the angel of the Lord. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then said Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I have put rich garments on you. As I said earlier, in the Bible, clothing is often a symbol of either sin or holiness. Joshua, the high priest, wears filthy clothes is a clear indication of his guilt. And I told you that's what Christ comes he gives us a clear conscience. He removes the guilt. He does away with our guilt, something that the blood of bulls and goats couldn't accomplish. Christ came in and redeemed us, reconciled us unto God, justified us, and put us in right standing with God. So when God forgives a person, the dirty garments of sin are replaced by clean robes of holiness. This is what happens to Joshua in this vision, is that it's symbolic of something Christ does. He takes away the filth, the guilt, the, the things that we have. He takes it away and tells us to put on robes of righteousness, unsoiled garments. We want garments that are unspotted. We need to purge and cleanse out. There's something for us to do. Now, all of us have become like one who is unclean. That is everyone. There's none good, no, not one. And all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We are shriveled up like a leaf. The nakedness of Adam and Eve, the, the fig leaves that they took as a covering, wasn't a covering. They wasn't appropriate clothing. God had to provide 
the appropriate covering for them. The leaves, a fig leaf wouldn't do it. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. We were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. No one calls on God's name and strives to lay hold of God. God has to call us, and no one chooses God. He had chosen us. Now, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sin. Now, for church members who have received this at the endowment, the garment reminds them of their connection to God. How are we connected to God, a relationship? Their commitment to follow his will. We're here, yesterday, as we drunk of his shed blood and ate of his broken body, symbolically that meal shows that with that Passover that he had died for us, we were buried with him. We connected to Christ spiritually of the new man. There's a, a connection that we've been born again, birthed into something. Um, and the blessings of protection God promised is he's faithful to us. I was quoting you earlier from the book of Zechariah, the third chapter of Zechariah, the first through the seventh verse about just Joshua. And it says, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him, and upon unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. That is Zechariah speak, preaching, teaching us, saying that to set a turban or a fire, fair mitre upon his head. Uh, so they set a fair mitre upon his head, and clothed him with fine garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by, and the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shall also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by here. And what I say to one, I say to all. So he made us a royal priesthood. In the house of God, if if we walk in His commandments and His statutes, as a witness before Him, He will have the ability to judge His house and keep His house and sustain and rule and reign with Christ. Putting on those clothes that Christ has it will be as the children of the wilderness. You remember in the wilderness, wilderness, they didn't provide clothing for themselves. Of the clothes that they did have, the book of Deuteronomy 8, chapter the 4th verse, the 29th chapter and the 5th verse, and the book of Nehemiah, the 9th chapter and the 21st verse says, For 40 years you, sus- you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing in all that time. Their clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell. So God's telling us, that we need an enduring legacy. We need something, clothing that endures, that 
moth and rust doesn't corrode and corrupt and wear out that we need to put on Christ who gives us an eternal covering. Uh, we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We, we must be found under the blood, just like those at the Passover. It must be applied to our household, the temple that where we live at. Note the similarity here of Paul's terminology where he admonishes us uh, about this putting on of the new man. Uh, Colossians 3, 9, 11 says, To put on the new man... Paul immediately follows this statement with a reconciliation that there is neither Greek nor Jew nor slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. So we're neither male nor female. All of us has to put on Christ. This is the new man. This is our covering. We have to be under the blood. We have to be under Christ. That's how we boldly come before the throne of grace in the name of Jesus Christ covered by him. Anything we ask the Father in his name, he'll do because we are in Christ. That We're clothed in him. Yes. Colossians 3, 9, 11th, 3rd chapter, 9th through the 11th verse also goes along with this admonition. It says, don't tell lies to each other. It was your old life with all its wickedness that did that sort of thing. Now it is dead and gone. You are living a brand new kind of life that is continually learning more and more of what is right and trying constantly to be more and more like Christ who created this new life within you. In this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters and he is equally available to all. So we have to look back at the old man. We don't want to live as we used to live. We have to put that to death. Now that we put on Christ, we need to disassociate or put that old man, that old nature to death. Pull it off. Stop doing it. Take heed unto the word of God. Let it not live. Let it not be named among you because what people have to, have to see is Christ when they look at us. We have to be in his image and his likeness. Just as Jesus told Thomas and him, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So our attributes and character and attitudes, dispositions, has to be in the image, and that is the likeness of Jesus Christ. As sons of God, when seeing us, we should see ourselves in the mirror, and that reflection is growing more and more like Christ each day. Isaiah 52, 1, 5, and 11. I've read the first verse already. The fifth verse says, But now what do I have here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people have been taken away without reason, those who rule over them howl with taunting and mockery of salvation. And it declares the Lord, and my name is continually blaspheming all day long. That's the amplified reading of that verse. I'm going to read the living version here and the amplified reason after this. But the the King James version of that same verse that I just read says, Depart ye, depart ye, go, out, go ye out from thence. Touch no unclean thing, go ye out the midst of her. Be ye clean, 
that bear the vessels of the Lord. So we have to wash ourselves in God's Word by being a doer of the Word, not touching the unclean thing, not doing a living as we once lived. We have to put those things away. Uh, The Amplified reads this way. This is what the Amplified It says, depart, depart, go out from there, the land of the exile, touch no unclean thing, go ye out of the midst of Babylon. So you remember I tell you Babylon is not geographical. And in the book of Revelations, the 18th chapter, in the 4th verse and elsewhere, where it says, come ye out of Babylon, so you won't be partaker of her plagues. In other words, the way of the world's living, the cosmos, the, the way they're thinking, the lust of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, all of those self-gratifying things we must purify or purge ourselves. Any man that has the hope of Christ Jesus in him, the hope of eternal life, purifies or purges himself from those things. Now, by him giving us of his spirit, we can do that because that spirit empowers us. That spirit guides us and leads us into all truth But as I said, getting dressed in the Lord is a process. It's a process of growing away from some things, putting those things to death, not touching or having anything to do with those things, but it's a growing in the Lord. It's a maturation. It's a maturing. As he's regenerating you by his spirit, as the spirit working in you, it produces fruit in you. People should be able to look at you and see fruit bearing in your life. The Spirit produces the fruit when we exercise the use of it. But unless we're doing it, that fruit won't be seen. That fruit, people won't be able to see your love for one another. They won't be able to see certain things. It won't be true fruit of the Spirit. Now it says, Go ye, I purify yourself, you who carry the articles of the Lord on your journey from there. Go now, the living virgin says, go now, leave your bonds and slavery. Put Babylon and all that it represents far behind you. It is unclean to you. What's unclean to us may not be unclean to someone else or whatever according to their religion or their belief system. But the spirits will guide us by the sprinkling of the water of the word. As we grow in the understanding and of the knowledge of God. We're growing in the understanding and knowledge of God. So that strengthening in us, it says, put on thine strength. We find strength in his words and his commandments because those that walk in his commandments, his precepts and statutes and judgments, we grow strong in that. By hiding his word in our heart, that's our strength. It comes from the word of God and being a doer of it. Now, in the book of Colossians, the first chapter and the 27th verse, Paul says Christ is in us. Uh, It's kind of touch and go there. He's saying he's in us. Now, you're saying if he's in us, that means he's in the interior and we're not clothed with him. You can't see it from the outside. Uh, the 
first that verse reads to whom god would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the gentiles which is christ in you the hope of glory so the spirit the holy ghost is in us you remember i told you it's the person of christ and it glorifies him and it comes in his name it's he says to uh, the comforter i give you another comforter which is going to come in his in other words he's coming and he's going to declare jesus unto us so when it says christ in us the hope of glory the unison that the father and the spirit and the son has as that personage is within us turning the inside as the outside it's like having two buckets of water here's one and here's another this is us, this is it. But as it pours, as Christ is poured into us, we become one, homogenized and mixed with Christ. But he's much more and more, more than we are. So we become one with him. He, he has, he's, we're transformed, shaped into his image and his likeness. He's not shaped and transformed in our likeness even though a lot of people nowadays try to make God in their image and their likeness, in other words, that Christ do everything that they do or whatever, which is a contradiction within itself because what they end up doing is grieving the Spirit or quenching the Spirit because the Spirit's not going to go into darkness or whatever. That's why we lose fellowship with God or He turns away from us because we're not walking in the same way. We're walking in darkness, and the Spirit's not going to go in the darkness. It's not going to walk in the darkness. That's why sometimes we grieve or quench the Spirit, because what we're doing is not empowered by God. It's that old man who has arisen trying to bring you into bondage, and that slavery is increasing in you. You're strengthening the old man, the carnal man, by your cowardice, just by being afraid of your spouse or your children grandchildren, friends, relatives, boss, or whoever it is, that he hadn't given us a spirit of fear. And there's sometimes certain things we should stand up. We should be steadfast no matter what the consequences are. So that's why we have to seek God in those things all the time because putting on Christ, we notice that Christ reacted differently, differently in each situation in differing situations. So we have to ask God or follow God because sometimes there's a bold rebuke in Christ Jesus. It's not just a humble, meek, mild, humble Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's as he's told Satan, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes it's confrontational. People must see Christ when they see us. We, may, we must take on his image. So we must be like Christ and sometimes... People don't know Christ, but we can't compromise what that spirit is leading and guiding us into a how to show Christ. Remember, everything we do shows Christ since we had put him on. The outward man is reflecting the inner man. We should be reflecting his image and likeness just as in that mirror. Galatians 2.20 says, Paul speaks of himself and all true Christians saying, I have been crucified with Christ. So we're dead. 
we have to deny ourselves and take our take up our cross and follow after him. It is no longer I live it, but it's Christ live it in me. So if I'm crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And it's Galatians 2.20. First John 3.24 says, John writes, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. You remember I told you, we have to hide his word in our heart. We have to be doers of his word. So he who keeps God's commandment abides in him. Christ says, you must abide in me, abide in the vine. You cannot produce fruit. Uh, You can't be fruitful outside of the vine. You must remain in him. He says, and he in him. So now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. So you are abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding in you. And by this, we know he abides in us. We know that he's in us by the spirit which he has given us. You remember I told you that Holy Spirit acknowledges and confirms that he has given us of his spirit. That's why, you remember I told you the knowledge of the knowledge of God. We knowing the truth, we knowing the will of God. By doing the will of God is only when you will know that this is of God, that it came from God. And that's when I say awaken, come to consciousness, be aware, put on thine strength. As the world has been oppressing you and people stepping on you and walking on you and turning and blaspheming against you and blaspheming God, that sixth verse of Isaiah, you remember? We're talking about this victorious Christian, this overcomer, this believer that was prophesied in the 52nd chapter of Isaiah, the 6th verse, listen to what it says. Therefore, I will reveal my name to my people, and they shall know the power in that name. That we can ask anything in that name, in that he had risen from the grave with all power. The power is in the name of Jesus. We are the people of Christ. He says, they shall know the power in that name. Then at last they will recognize that it is I, yes, I who speaks to them. It is Christ. It is God that's speaking, and it was Christ that was God. He's one. And it speaks of the unity of God. Now, that's what I say. When we think of if he's in us, are we in him? Uh, if, if he's in us, they would see us on the outside, right? If, if something's in us, you can't, if something is in something else, you see the thing that that thing is in. You don't see the thing that's in it. But see, what we have to do, we have to reflect Christ on the outside. That which is inside should be reflectatory of what's outside. See, because what happens, that which outside me, my body, I'm dead. This is no longer my body. You remember, we have to present our body as a living sacrifice. So we no longer can do what we want to with our body. That what we want to do, we do not. Because we are led by the Spirit of God. God's Word 
the, his very logos, and that's what the Word of God is, the logos. The Word was God, and the Word was with God. And the Word was in the beginning with God. That same Word was God. And the Word was what? Made flesh. It answers those questions for us in John 14 and 20. In John 14 and 20. He tells his disciples that at his resurrection, that they will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. That's what John tells us. John 14 and 20 says, He tells his disciples that at his resurrection, that they will know that I am in my Father, and that you are in me, and I in you. Christ is not describing an impossible situation. It sounds impossible. He's describing perfect, total unity. That's what we're all looking for, the unity of the faith, the unity of the Spirit, until we all become one. That comes from us choosing the new man. That's what we have to do, is continue to put him on each and every day. We have to sleep in that clothing. It is putting him on. Ephesians 4, 24 says, That in regarding your previous way of life, that you put off your old self, that is, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires, and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's where the transformation is going on that's what Paul said in the book of Romans. Through, I see another law within my members that I'm wrestling with, but thank God through the Spirit of Christ in my mind that that thing that's in my flesh that's trying to bring me into bondage, that same mind that's in me is going to be in Christ. I mean, that same mind that's in Christ is going to be in, in me. So all my passions and desires and what I lust and seek after, not my will, not what I want, but what Christ, I'm seeking to please God. He says, having a fresh, untarnished mental, spiritual attitude, and I put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature. I'm putting it on just as I put on a coat. I'm putting on, that's what my strength is, the Lord. I put on Christ, created in God's image, in God-like, because it's in his image and his likeness because I'm walking in his laws, his statutes, and his precepts. I'm doing as Christ did. In righteousness, because he had imputed his righteousness to me, my righteousness is filled to rags. There's a way that seemeth right to me. The end thereof is destruction. So what I have to do is seek his ways and his ways of righteousness, which is his laws. All of his statutes and commandments, they are what's righteousness. They're righteousness. He says, and holiness of the truth. Holiness of the truth because he had given me of the spirit of truth. Jesus Christ is the personification of truth. The spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, comes into me as the spirit of truth that guides and leads me into all truth because the truth is what sets me free from bondage. Notice how fully clothed I am because the clothes are strength. 
this thing is woven together. The clothing, Christ is woven just like the canon of Scripture. The Word of God is woven that it can't be torn apart like the veil of the temple. As, as the skins and things that that temple was made of, it had to be God. It couldn't be anything on earth with enough power to rend the temple veil, that veil in two from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top, from top to bottom. It says, in the righteousness and holiness, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for salvation. That's why I say they are festal garments. They're rejoicing and singing praises. We have triumphed. We've overcame. We've fret not ourselves because of the evildoers, for they were cut off. We no longer have to worry about these things. We can lay down beside still waters. We cannot worry. The victory has been won. It was won in Christ Jesus. We, we have to realize that this was finished. All we had to do was walk therein in it. Uh, and I put on here the living version and the other verses for you to read. Uh, the King James Version that he put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Um, the living version says, if you have really heard his voice and learned from him the truth concerning himself, then throw off your old evil nature. And you remember he says, now you've heard my voice, and you know it's true, and you know it's God's voice. And you remember Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they will not listen to another. So the paradoxical thing of the world of listening to this and being discombobulated and know not which way to turn, we start hearing the voice of God clearly in making our decisions, and we walk therein. There's no deceit involved long as we follow God's word. We get more fine-tuned and more strengthened in God's word. It's the less mistakes or error that we do, the more attuned to God's word or his spirit that we become. He says, the old you that was a partner in your old ways, rotten through and through, full of lust and shame. Now your attitudes and thoughts must all be constantly changing for the better. Yes, you must be a new and different person holy and good clothe yourself with this new nature the festal garments you have is the joy of the Lord it's joy because he gives you his peace and his joy so following after him now here's another interesting little terminology that Paul speaks about this new man because it's a clothing the metaphor of putting on clothes and things here and he uses the verb to put on. And you remember Isaiah said, put on thine strength, which means sink into, you know, just get comfortable in. It's just like being baptized into, you know, you're in the water. I gave you that analogy of being poured, pouring the two vessels, the water together. Well, it says we're baptized into Christ Jesus. In that watery grave, we're baptized into his death. But we rose in the resurrection, a new creation, a new life in Christ Jesus. Whereas we're sitting in heavenly places and it is Him 
that doeth the works. He doeth the works. We're resting in Him. By extension, it means to enter into, or to get into, to put on. By Vine's expository dictionary, it says to put on. Uh, you can hear some of the other writers in the New Testament referring to it as clothing. Uh, Paul, I, I keep using Paul because Paul used this analogy more than the rest of him, and I have one from the Apostle Peter, but Paul in Galatians 3.27 connects putting on of Christ with reconciliation. And you remember I told you he reconciles us back to God. That gives us a relationship with God that we're no longer at enmity with God. But we're no longer at enmity with God. He's removed the enmity we've been reconciled to him. Uh, it says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, that is, into a spiritual union with Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ, that is, you have taken off uh, taken off the old man, well, you're supposed to be taken off the old man, but you have taken on his characteristics and his value by being baptized into Christ. Baptized meaning to immerse a stain with the dye. That was the original meaning of baptize. It's to stain with the dye. Just like we're covered by the blood, the blood has to cover us. And you, you can use another analogy in there that it was covered with pitch. You remember the ark of Noah was covered with pitch. It, Noah had to cover it with pitch, which, which was a type of tar or something that was put up to seal the ark. It was a sealing of the ark. Well, we have been sealed by the Holy Ghost in the book of Ezekiel. It says, seal those in the forehead that are Christ. It's first before the destroying angel came, they were sealed by the Spirit of God. So that God knows those that are his. He marks his. There's a mark of God that the devil tries to duplicate with the mark of the beast, but there is a mark of God. God marks his people in their forehead. You can identify with God. So the new man is rec is reconciled with God and with man. You remember, we must reconcile ourselves to one another. And if you don't have a ministry of reconciliation and you're not being reconciled to man, it's not the spirit that works in you because that's why we be at peace with all. He says, live as peaceful as possible with all men. As much as life within you. That's why David couldn't build a temple because he was a war, a man of war, whereas Solomon was a man of peace. Peace builds the temple of God. Now Paul f follows that statement by being that by baptizing the person of, on Christ in that verse twenty-seven with a statement about reconciliation. So baptized and being reconciled all of this is a process it's a process of getting dressed you know when you get dressed in the morning you have a process you might get up you might shower you might brush your teeth or you might after you shower brush your teeth or shave we don't know what order but there's a process well getting dressed in the Lord is a process some people may put on their underwear and socks and things first uh, they may put on different yeah, so in other words getting dressed 
but we're not getting dressed with the other stuff on. Right? We're washed, and the shower would be a symbol of the baptism of being washed in Christ. Now we put Christ on. And Christ is, well, we're not going to go that way. Let me not get off in that rabbit trail. When we put on the new man, we put on Christ. We are in him, and he's in us. Our goal should be to nourish that new man by renewing our minds through submission to Christ, or to the Word of God, to His Spirit that's leading and guiding us into all truth, until our mind and His are indistinguishable. In other words, you can't tell one from another. Because how can two walk together unless they agree? But I said submission because when you mix the two buckets of water together, one has to be the dominant one. We submit our will. We submit ourselves. That's why I say we die to ourselves. We're becoming the new man. We're becoming as Christ is. He's creating and forming us anew. So our mind and our thoughts that are not like he is, they're gone. We put that away. We buried that in that grave. We buried that old man in the grave when we rose up to walk in the newness of life. Now, here's here's where the dressing comes at on and in this life and in as a Christian in the New Testament we are beings of free choice so we still are obligated to God to activate this clothing of putting him on each day we have thousands of decisions to choose to do the right thing to put Christ on it's an exercise that we have to, it says by use of exercise of the word. So we must not just know the word, we must keep doing it over and over. That his will be done. And we must use it as a witness that God lives in us. To this end, Paul writes this. This is what Paul writing because Paul talked about the new man. I told you this much. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, Holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. That's the attribute of character of God we must have. Yes. Jesus was merciful. We must be merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful. Kindness, we must be kind. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If any has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do too. Colossians 3rd chapter 12 through the 13th verse. So putting on all of those attributes to characteristic of Christ, because as I said, as we put Christ on, the outside must be reflective of what's on the inside. This must be truly who we are. We must be loving, not false piety, but we must truly actually love, and that works from the inside to the exterior. But it, the reason it works so well is because the old man is being put to death. He's being bound. He, he, he's being cast out. He's being cast away. But realize that that old man can come back alive at any time. He's there. He's vigilant. 
but that's why it says. So it's used as an idiom, that word put on, it's used as an idiom. idiom. It can also mean to assume the office of manner or character, disposition or perspective of another. When it says put on, start acting like a lot of children act as their father acts. Uh, they have the mannerism of the person that they admire or look to. That they have the authority of their boss or the authority that Christ had. The disposition of uh, uh, the perspective. And we must start seeing things from the same perspective that God sees it from. We must start viewing it through his lens, through his eyes. We must put on Christ, meaning we must conduct our lives as close to the way that he would were he in our position. The old saying 10, 10 or 12, maybe 20 years ago, they had the bracelets and things. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? You have to keep in mind. But what it has to do, it has to be become part of your nature. Not second nature, but it has to be first nature. That old nature has to keep dying. That, that old nature has to disappear to... Christ comes in and changes the corruptible to the incorruptible. We have to fight this fight. We are to practice his way of life because it is eternal life. It's the way God lives is his life. That's the way God lives his life. That's how we have eternal life by living the way God lives. That's why it says you have eternal life if we were to live the way God lived because that's what eternal life is, is walking in Christ. It will help prepare us for his kingdom and it enables us to glorify him here and now. As, we, as others see us, as our, others so see our light. That's why it says that he be lifted up, he'll draw men unto us. If they see our light, it, they give God the glory. Now, I got a good bit more to go in this and we're going to finish this other part uh, Wednesday night, but let me carry on. i got a, a few more minutes. Let me do two, one or two more pages here. How do we obtain these positions of this, this position of, uh, of putting on? How, how is this obtained? The Bible answers in 2 Peter 3.18 by saying, Growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It says, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Remember I said that to obtain knowledge, to know God, and we must grow in knowledge, and that's of His Word. That's having a relationship with Him because the Spirit will guide us and give us this knowledge, this truth through His Word. Studying His Word. Praying unto him. Second Peter three eighteen, but grow spiritually mature in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, honor, majesty, and splendor, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So the focus of our faith, that object of our faith has appeared, that is Jesus Christ. So as he become our all in all, and that's who we meditate on day and night, that's what our thought, that, that is our life. Christ is our life now. 
because we're being less focused on the world, the things of the world, the people of the world. Since Christ has appeared, that's all that we could really meditate on because that's where our strength is in Him. Now don't put your spouse, your children, your grandchildren or something else there and think about them more than Christ because they become idols and Christ becomes second. And and that's an obtuse view of it. You, You can't have that and be strengthened. It says, but grow in spiritual strength and become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, does, does that go back to our first verse there we was in Isaiah 52 and 1 when it says, put on strength? So it's not physical strength we're talking about. It says, but grow in spiritual strength and become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice that James, John, and Peter had a, seemed to have a closer relationship than the rest of the apostles was, that it was them with Christ more that Jesus told Martha that Mary had chosen the good thing and that was to listen to his word. Remember I was telling you there's nothing wrong with being busy, but it's better to be busy with things of Christ first, of thinking and meditating in his word. Get your physical stuff done. He, like he told the, his, the Pharisees, this you ought to have done and not leave the other undone. And says, to him be all the glory and splendor. In other places, Scripture says that we must put on the new man. First, Ephesians 4.24, Colossians 3.10. And it, to be transformed into the image of Christ. Romans 12 and 2, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Ephesians 4.24 says, yes, you must be a new, different person, holy and good, clothe yourself with a new nature. Colossians 3.10 says, uh, having put on the new spiritual self who is being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of him who created the new self. You remember I said all of this, we're trying to be in Christ's image of his likeness. Inside your truck or on your computer, or whatever, they have different little icons or little things of people or places of sun. That's an image of what that represents. So we want to be an image. We want to be changed into his image and his likeness. Just as the Old Testament was a shadow to the new, the new is what's real. The Old Testament shattered what was to come. So the physical man is a shadow or image, but the spiritual man is the real man. That's what's real. Because all of this is passing away. The world, earth, and all of this is passing away. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. That's the spiritual. That which is physical was first. So this world is passing away. And that's why it says, love not the world or the things of the world. That's why we lay up treasure in heaven, not here on earth. You who are living a brand new kind of life that is continually learning more and more of what is right and trying constantly to be more and more 
like Christ who created this new life. So you're trying to be like that man, Jesus Christ, and His words in us, working those words, causes us to be in that image and likeness. Okay? And that is the characteristics, the attitude, not with the physical trait of looking or disposition, but with the spiritual. Romans 12 and 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, that is, any longer with the values and customs of this world and the things of the world, it says, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, that is, focusing on godly value and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves, not really for anybody else, because you're battling here and it's you're trying to save yourself and that's who you're looking toward because if you're trying to prove something else to someone else, sometimes their expectations of what they say may let you down. They may take the wind out your head. They may not think of you or whatever, but you're trying to prove this to yourself, not to know anyone else. So that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. That is his plan and purpose for you. See, because sometimes the, the husband may be disappointed the wife or the wife and, and the husband or the children and the parents or the parents and the children. But you can't tell that child or that person what God has purpose in them. Only you in your heart know what God had purposed and told you what to be and what to do. My mother couldn't say, well, I think you should have been a doctor, you should have been a lawyer. Only I can believe that and realize that when I come to know God and follow after Him. Because He had purposed and planned the life for me. That He has a purpose and plan for me and we to seek for that purpose and plan. Uh, the living says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but do, be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. Then you will learn from your own experience how his ways will really satisfy you. In yes. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord and are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I think that's what I've been trying to get after the whole day. My mind's been toward the, that closing with that end because I've been saying about that mirror and changing the look in His image. But let's read that same verse in the Amplified instead of the, the Old Testament. See, can we get a little bit more? I can break, draw a little bit more out of that verse. He says, And we all, with unveiled faces, in other words, with our faces uncovered, not by the law, but that he had set us free to be able to see, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You remember it says we see darkly, or we can, but you remember we grow from faith to faith, from knowledge to knowledge. In other words, growing, increasing in faith, increasing in, in grace, Remember I told you this was a progressive growth. So we're seeing more clearly each and every day. 
as we age, you know, a lot of people say you get more mellow or get more knowledge and wisdom with age you're supposed to. It says, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Last time, last part of that verse in living. Let's do the living and see what we get out of that. It says, but we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God. We can reflect His glory and as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him. As His Spirit works in us, we are reflected more and more like He does. You remember, the moon has no light or shadow of its own. It reflects the sun. It's a reflection there, but you know there's a full moon. But what it's doing is reflecting the full image of the light off of the sun. So we are reflected more and more God in us. The more God, the more Christ in us grows, the more it shines, the more that image reflects him on the outside, the exterior. So the larger he becomes inside of us, the greater that light inside of us. The greater it's showing, suddenly it's flashing in front of everybody. They can see Christ. It's a suddenness that now they're coming to know Christ. In other words, we prepare for these positions of leadership by taking on the very character of God himself who rules everything. That's why it says we go rule and reign with Christ. And that's why the church is universal. The church Catholic, not denominational Catholic. But in other words, the church is universal. It's the same everywhere. God has scattered his people about as the sand of the sea. He is the highest power in the universe, the greatest leader of all. So, should I end there and not go into Paul's teaching and end with the teaching of Peter? I talked about Paul so much today. We're going to stop right there and begin Monday, I mean Wednesday night with Paul. Heavenly Father.